So, so Hakim, I think uh, our guest right here has uh, kind of uh, put your uh, recording rig uh, to a challenge. Uh, from from his videos, I know that uh, uh, having moved back to uh, to one country from another country, uh, he recorded quite a few videos uh, up in his attic, which which your bed sounds like a luxurious fucking five star uh, hotel so, experience. Sounds like JT's office. Yeah, pretty much. But, now, I really should have set something up at this point. It's been like several months since I've been back, but it's yeah, it's still pretty it's pretty rough right now, hence why my <laughs> audio sounds like this. Oh please, we've had much worse. You wouldn't believe yeah, some of the audio. I, I started listening to the um, <laughs> Name and Address withheld episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like yeah, that's kinda that's kinda rough. <laughs> some of them are just surprising, like, really? You you've got bad audio? Okay, whatever. <laughs> And, and surprisingly, no. Like I was always afraid that we we're gonna have a guest on, and they will uh, have forgotten to record. So we will oh. spend an hour and an hour and a half, and we will just not have the content, and we would have to publish an episode, especially for all our all our Patreon supporters and so on. But that has somehow never happened. Which, by the way, me saying this probably that. jinxing yeah. it super fucking hard right I'm, now. I'm you know, definitely be... recording right now, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm absolutely. Recording. We did have we did have one crisis where Ugopnik had some kind of error with his. <laughs> recording do you remember yeah, the computer this died like it died midway and it didn't save and it didn't die midway it died like in the last five minutes of the episode so our sweet that boy had old. to go back listen to the the episode that <laughs> i cut and then tr- insert his own like the what what he remembered saying during the episode so he could put it out no one's noticed so no one's figured out which episode it was he did a great job yeah. but he was like right he, he I'll, sent I'll, me I'll his file he's like oh my god this is so bad oh, okay here we go <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give people a hint it's the only episode where i sound very rude to to you because uh, yeah. I'm speaking over him very <laughs> yeah. often, but that's just because he's not actually there. Is Gopnik in the room with you right now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a it's fairly early on, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember being on the on the seaside of the country that uh, that I'm living in and having like the most random setup in one very uh, dank. Uh, it wasn't even an Airbnb. It was, I think, uh, some cousins, cousins, cousins yeah. little room, uh, and <laughs> just all the like it was a laptop, and the electricity went out and it killed my laptop. Not killed it. Thank thankfully, it turned back on. The only country that ever killed a laptop, and it was a fucking MacBook. I worked my ass off. Oof. Was America? Funny enough, I was staying at this. <laughs> Super fucked up little shanty motel because they kicked us out of uh, the accommodation we were supposed to be living in when I was on work and travel, fucking washing dishes and stuff like that. Uh, and they kicked us out. Actually, they took us out in vans because we were uh, the the landlord was super greedy. So they put like 15 of us in one house, but it was like in a nice neighborhood. So probably some uh, snitch neighbor reported us or whatever. We're just waking up to go to a morning shift and there's just these two police officers uh. standing up. <laughs> Outside, they're like documents, please. I was like, "Holy fucking ice!" Ice came for you. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, who? I have a thing, like a line in the thing that I'm putting out in just a few days, where I mention whoever's unfortunate enough to move to the U.S. That's generally been my thought. (laughs) Yanni, why? Why are they so uptight about this? Why? Who wants? I don't think anybody. We made this joke last time. If people Mm. could choose to go to Canada for, if it was the first one on the border, (laughs) nobody would go through Canada to the U.S. If it was the one on top, Mike. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not everybody wants to live in fucking. I don't know. What's a city in Kentucky? Uh, Paducah. How was your uh, American uh, experience, Jack? So, yeah, I, so I'm much. just like biting my tongue here because I have many <laughs> negative things to say about the U.S. immigration. 
<laughs> but you know, it was obligatory. It, it was you know a relationship that was important for me. Uh, but <laughs> oh, for sure, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was not. Yeah, it, it's like a super expensive process, and you know, like I don't have any fun stories about that. But uh, yeah, I guess so. Now I'm British and American, so twice as oh, many jokes nice. that can be made about that. <laughs> they're, they're currently digging a deeper pit in hell for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> In okay. Hakim's hometown, if they ever draw a devil, it's just pictures of Jack <laughs> Satan everywhere. It's okay, it's okay. You get to pick which wall we'll set you up against. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh my god. Very charitable. Mm-hmm. You no. know, I think you've seen this. There's outside where, where the former US embassy in Tehran used to be. Uh, there's a wall with uh, the Statue of Liberty, but the face is like a skull. I yeah. think you've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the wall that you get if you pick America. <laughs> It's okay, we'll be there with JT, it's fine. Hey, first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you be, I think this is this is straying dangerously close to anti-American content, fellas. I will not uh, accept any of this rhetoric. I am, as you all know, the most pro-American voice on the internet. Exactly right. Uh, exactly <laughs> right. You don't want to risk another visit from the... <laughs> yeah, from, from the thumbs. Yeah, from cuck security, whatever they're called. <laughs> I have uh, recently sworn absolute loyalty to Joe Biden, so I'm just, you know, <laughs> keeping that in mind. Sorry, he's already forgotten. It's <laughs> not <laughs> oh, my fucking joke, motherfucker. <laughs> I had a, this is like a minor tangent of something that I remember from a, a while back, but for some reason I was thinking about it today because something similar happened. Uh, where I remember this, um, what do you call it? Like a handyman, the, the, a tool man, what do you call it? Yeah, handyman. English? The guy sure. who goes fixing everything, uh-huh. right? Um, and, uh, Real he was, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Real man TM. Yeah. And he was descaling a, a wire or whatever. You know where you move the, the rubber coating yeah. of old uh, wire connections? Um, and he had a, an old dull knife that he used to do that. And he recently got a new knife that was sharp. Uh, and he used the force for oh, the no. old knife <laughs> with the new knife so he cut straight through that thing and into his fingers um, and at the time he had come to me uh, and uh, I, I had to uh, suture everything back together um, so he had at least some something left of his hand um, and I remember I was telling him hey uh, I'm not going to give you any um, what's it called anesthetic uh, the reason is because not because I'm an animal or something <laughs> that I'm not evil it's because it's going to hurt more to give the anesthetic than to just get to work and suture everything together huh. uh, and he didn't believe me uh, I was like hold on let's just try to you know so like, let me just try to set at least the first suture so I, I go in with the first suture and the guy's like it hurts too much and he's a big burly you know very manly, man's man type of guy yeah. I was like alright then if he's in this much pain sure I'll give him the, the, the anesthetic but I warned him again I was like this is going to you're going to be in pain for this he was like alright yeah please just do it so <laughs> I enjoyed checked him with the first it's a very thin needle too by the way i put it into his in, it was in his index finger at the time i, I, I insert uh-huh. and then Im- he immediately just starts wincing in, in pain i'm like i told i tried to warn you i'm sorry <laughs> and then I, I i had to give him several injections uh and i was like look it's just gonna keep hurting um but i'm gonna have to give you four i get to the third and then i pull out and he's like do you really have to give do you really have to put in the fourth <laughs> i was like you know what if we if you just let me get to work i would have been done by now uh-huh. um but it's all right these are the stories that I come to this podcast for yeah exactly right I keep I kept I kept medical malpractice (laughs) (laughs) hey it's not malpractice I did what I was supposed to do (laughs) oh my god it's like a running story I guess that's the expression right of of this show all the time and now Jack you're a witness to it and always remember it 
everything that happens in the doctor's office they are judging you they are judging you <laughs> no, no, hard no. there's no, no like sense right. of oh no man hypocrite oath or whatever the hypocrite fuck like, oh, <laughs> whatever the fuck you guys are. Uh, like, oh my god uh, I don't swear by Apollo though yeah. <laughs> oh my god uh, he was but like t- t- just to the last point on the manly man thing um, it was bleeding quite a bit and he came from work and he taped up his finger uh, his fingers with um, electrical tape uh, yeah. uh, to stop from bleeding which was very you know it was very Resourceful. impressive and manly man but I had to take it off to be able to get to work um, and the pulled his peeling it off, off with it <laughs> 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 next to basically <laughs> um, so yeah I was like alright maybe maybe that wasn't the smartest decision uh, uh, I'm 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 making a lot of faces I, I right now <clears throat> I watched some film Hakim is this like this, uh, no way is this like normal uh, a guy got Every cut episode, and they the needed to I needed to stop they needed to stop bleeding the bleeding mm. of like a big cut I don't know they were in a forest or a urban yeah, yeah. environment zombies I really don't remember what the movie was and the yeah. guy used super glue to yeah, you glue can do up it. you can do that not only can you do it, but I believe it's even uh, like standard practice for field medicine in the U.S., like wow. military manuals, medical ma- manuals. They even produce a special kind of uh, super glue specifically for wounds. Um, it's been be- been used since like the, the 40s or the 50s. Um, wow. It's not... Yeah, it's not the best thing uh, that you can use, but it's very good in a... Better like, than dying, use. bleeding out. Yeah, to exactly death, right. Yeah. And uh, there is special wound glue otherwise that we can use in proper medical settings. Huh. That sounds so, yeah. like... Special wound glue sounds so much better than a, a tiny fucking needle with a literal uh, piece of cloth <laughs> on it, like going around and around hey, like stitches. It's, not, it's a like polymer, a hundred right? times. It's not cloth. Whatever. You know I don't believe in doctors, bro. Yeah, yeah. that is true. That is true. But I, I love it. It's, it's become I think it's the past three episodes where either JT or you yeah. guys like hey, I watched yeah. something <laughs> yeah. is this real <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Deep Program. We have something very special in store for you today. We're joined by one of the Internet's most class-conscious film critics, Brit turned American turned Brit again, one of the OGs of progressive YouTube, the king of woke, crusher of conservative dreams, and a high-ranking general of the culture wars. Jokes aside, please welcome Jack Saint, a brilliant film critic and analyst, to the D program. Hi, Jack. Please introduce yourself to those in our audience that might not have had the pleasure of exploring your work. Hello. That was a really kind introduction. Thank you very <laughs> much. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Jack Saint. I make YouTube videos, uh, usually about like the intersection of politics and popular culture. Uh, I am British, as you may have noticed, but please don't hold that against me because by marriage, I'm also American, which is arguably worse. Um, (laughs) My background is uh, mostly academic, like English degree. Um, I moved to Ohio around 2018 and found myself as an unemployed immigrant with very little savings. So I was kind of at like this meeting point of my educational background, me gradually becoming quite politically radicalized. Uh, so in the end, I became a bread tuber. Uh, <laughs> I became a bread tube channel, and uh, some people seem to like it. 
A lot of people <laughs> seem to like yeah. it. Jack is literally the first person. I had Jack. I fucking remember this. I think I had like 2,000 subscribers or some shit. And this guy just randomly shouted out one of my videos on Twitter, which really helped me uh, grow. So, Jack, I'm taking this opportunity to genuinely thank you. I have no idea what was wrong with your fucking algorithm back there <laughs> for, for my video to even uh, even show up on your, on your timeline. But uh, I, I'm glad it did. I was a fan of your work from uh, since then and after then, obviously, and before that event, obviously. Uh, thank you once again uh, for coming. By the way, is your, I'm not trying to dox you or whatever, but is your real name Jack Sate? Because that's a perfect fucking name. It's, it, is, it is my actual legal name, which is, is maybe brilliant. not the best choice in terms of like making a brand out of my actual <laughs> legal name, but that, that's what I've gone with. So it's yeah. too late now. <laughs> it's really, I, honestly, you made the right decision because it sounds like a uh, fucking uh, good guy from a James W007 movie. Like, like it's a, it's like a perfect James W007. <laughs> 007, <laughs> suck my you-know-what, motherfucker. Okay, let's let's actually uh, get into it. Let's start with uh, what some are titling the plagiarism gate, the citation scandals, the originality revolution. Okay, uh, nobody... Nobody's actually calling it that. Yeah. I just wanted to say plagiarism gate. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you grass touchers out there, a recent video by H Bomber Guy, a pretty influential YouTube creator, started a big conversation about the question of plagiarism, content mills, and the general copy-paste nature of 2020's online content, most importantly on YouTube. Uh, he goes into a deep dive into just how many channels out there directly rip off the creative work of other creators or off-platform writers and how it's basically turned into a sort of independent quasi-economy of people who have specialized in just churning out paraphrased stolen work. Uh, So now that we gave our listeners an update, uh, Jack, what do you think about this whole conversation? A bunch of meaningless online finger-pointing or a deeper question about creativity, the internet, and the need for more or less uh, regulations on these expansive, unfortunately privately-owned platforms of ours? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a big topic that has come up, especially quite recently on YouTube um, over the past month or so. It's definitely not something that came out of nowhere, and I think this is where a lot of the tension comes from. Like, as even H-Bomber Guy kind of pointed out in his video, which has become one of the big ones around this topic, it's kind of adjacent to online drama content, which is already quite a popular genre on YouTube. So, on the one hand, it's something that, you know, you're talking about the exploitation of people's content, essentially people's labor being stolen. Like, this is something that you could lead on to this bigger discussion about these kinds of things, like, especially with AI coming on and how that's going to impact on all this. Um, You know, it's basically just become more economically efficient to pump out these amalgamations of other people's work rather than doing it yourself. And there's also like no consequences for it. Um, On the other hand, it's kind of like, is this particular like YouTube issue like lib shit? Like, is this kind of, like, us hyper-individualizing, going on these witch hunts against these, like, little channels, you know, distracting ourselves from these much larger institutional problems? Um, You know, it can go either way. Like, it's the kind of criticisms that people often make of, like, online drama content, right? That you're kind of trapped in this little online bubble of drama when there are these bigger issues at play, like... 
I think it can kind of go in either direction. And the thing about plagiarism specifically that I think I kind of talk about in my video uh, and I think is like interesting to get into, it's the kind of issue that people find it very easy to rally around because there's almost this apolitical feeling to it. Like it, it's the kind of cause that people who aren't usually engaged in these sorts of subjects can kind of be like, oh, this is a bad thing. They can get passionate about it even when they don't already have a kind of like... Mm -hmm political stance that they're already engaged with. So I think it can go really either way. You can either take it in this direction of just being more meaningless online drama content, or I think you can push the conversation to like, what are the material incentives that lead to this kind of practice happening? You know, mm. this doesn't just come back down to like James Summerton, like the guy who H. H. was pointing out or uh, Illuminati, one of the other recent channels that have been caught out for these kind of practices. This is a, a practice that we're going to see more and more because it just makes the most sense economically. It just, on a yeah. systemic level, it really makes sense that this is happening. Um, and you can really use that. Um, you know, like with the Claudine Gay thing, I feel like that's worth bringing up if you want to talk about plagiarism mm -hmm. too. Um, it's, it's this situation where people can jump on it because it's very easy to rally around and maybe you can make it into this bigger thing or you can use it as a kind of scapegoat to go after individuals for the sake of drama. Um, it's a big topic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling now. No, 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 no please do. That's, that's, why, <laughs> that's why you're here. No, it, like, it leads to kind of uh, two points that are, as you beautifully put, are sometimes kind of missed. Number one, what I feel like is, is missed is, you know, we, we specifically hyper-focus on individual uh, bad actors and do not recognize that this quite literally could be used as a, uh, let's call it allegorical analysis of uh, the big, problems that we have with a only market-run uh, world, in this case uh, online content-making platform, because if uh, the main incentive, which it has become on YouTube, let's be honest, for 95% of creators, which is uh, generating as much profit as possible, obviously that is going to incentivize these uh, you know content mills that are constantly stealing content and so on. So uh, kind of people, people pitch this as if there's, you know, individual bad actors that are just thieves, right? Uh, which, okay, decent enough analysis, bro. But just like, uh, you know, random guys on the street robbing people, they don't, uh, like, uh, they're not spawned like in a video game and they just decide because they're bad people yeah. to fucking rob everybody. It's a direct consequence of the material conditions in which they find themselves in. Just like the reason why uh, people go out there and steal a bunch of shit and paraphrase it and then upload it and get a shit on more views and literally make tens of thousands of dollars sometimes even fucking millions, let's be honest. The only yeah, reason I mean, they do it, it is because the market literally incentivizes it, yeah. Yeah, that's all I was going to say is like, yes, it can be such a distraction and I feel like you do see this so much on YouTube. It's like every month, it's like, oh, this is the bad person now and mm -hmm. every one yeah. of these like content mill drama channels is now going to do like 10 videos on this person and it's like, okay, now we'll move on to this person and yeah. we never actually drill down to the reasons that these kinds of channels keep popping up and will continue to pop up because it, it's just kind of again part of this mill of um you know revenue generating exactly and it's uh, and the second is also very interesting that like larger corporations like figured this fucking thing out like 
10 years ago, literally. You have whole agencies that work under them, whole like there's this firms that completely concentrate on, for example, finding copyright uh, everywhere on the internet and we get flagged all the time. Uh, content gets, uh, you know, uh, demonetized. Content gets completely taken down. Co- content take, gets uh, ta- uh, has its monetization taken and then sent over to a large corporation because in the, the one hour and a half documentary, there were like uh, three minutes that were used from something that I don't fucking know uh, Disney owns, etc., etc. Like large corporations figured out a methodology through which they don't allow anybody to basically steal their quote unquote content but there uh, but because there is uh, because of this this balance between uh, uh, private corporate entities and random guy uploads video uh, this sort of thing uh, happens so again going back to the previous like systematic problem of running everything as a market and attaching to it this kind of uh, power dynamic leads us to the conclusion that basically because this particular new brand of uh, let's call it quote unquote job even though you know that's kind of a meme in itself, but that's a different conversation, is not in any way, let's call it unionized to an extent, to protect their own uh, product of labor, which in this case is, I guess, their content. Uh, Because they are not in any way organized together, they cannot really uh, fight any individual bad actors that might be stealing it, or very often, uh, let's be honest, also larger corporations uh, stealing ideas that they see off of the internet and then quite literally making like multi-multi-million dollar documentaries that they upload on their on their streaming services so again uh, very 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 interesting uh, points this, that you brought forward completely on the spot something that you didn't even think about and they all lead i guess to this conversation that uh, uh, we should kind of hammer into the heads of our dear listeners hopefully that uh, whenever you're looking at these sorts of uh, sorts of call it call them events call them uh, problems try to look at them as Hakim always says from a more systematic lens not just uh, you know looking at this or that uh, bad apple which leads us I guess to uh, to the next point in a great recent video of yours that you mentioned you cover a massively popular channel which seems to be partaking in this exact uh, brand of plagiarism but what's interesting with them for me is that while they use the same strategy of take a thing paraphrase it and push it out the only thing they seem to be adding is a dash of political opinion to steer the viewer in a direction they actually want and care about which let's face it is almost always reactionary Mm. Uh, do you think this happens more often than we think sometimes I wonder if I'm noticing these like let's call them dog whistles because uh, we're all here super sensitive to it uh, uh, and am I making a thing out of it or do you think it's actually as common as it feels like it is yeah i mean so actually this leads into something i did want to clarify i don't want to be overly cynical about people's desire to like call out plagiarists and things like that like at the end of the day again it's kind of this thing where people are rallying around what they see as a bad thing and ultimately yeah i would say is a bad practice to essentially exploit someone else's work for your own benefit um and the thing is, is because it's something that's so easy to rally around and it has this almost apolitical bent to it, this kind of content is very easy to use as a way to kind of piggyback off of to then insert a political perspective into. And the thing is, is the right has no issue with doing that, yeah. right? Like, I think there are so many conservative channels. This is obviously something that definitely concerns me because... 
I particularly talk about pop culture. I've done a lot of videos where I talk about like the wokeness issue when it comes to like YouTube, like the the number of conservative channels that are out there that essentially take this seed of like I don't know, I don't like Disney movies lately or I don't like Marvel superhero movies anymore. And they they take that like negative feeling and then they steer it towards mm. like anti-LGBT views. When you actually watch these videos it's like, "Oh, well, you notice how these this media is bad now. Well, have you noticed how there's also more gay people in them now?" Because of the gays. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's 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 Something that's very easy to do is to take something that's a generally agreeable topic, something that's not going to be too alienating to people that are not already politically engaged, and then to try to sort of steer them in a certain direction. And I will say, I, I think this can kind of be used for good or for ill. You know, that, that channel Moon, who I recently covered in one of my videos, he's kind of steering it in this direction of like... China invented TikTok to brainwash teenagers, yeah. <laughs> like that that kind of direction, like very um like QAnon type stuff, or like a lot of uh very uh, right wing attitudes. You know, I, ultimately, I'm doing something that's kind of similar. You know, I try to do the same thing where it's like, hey, here's a piece of media. Now let's use this piece of media to like talk about maybe something that's more of a left wing perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it is something that you can kind of make use of the platform that you have you kind of have to meet people where they are if that makes mm -hmm. sense you know we don't i'm sure you've all struggled with the fact that like ultimately you can't control the algorithm yeah. right you have the system that you're you're dealt with um actually another thing i wanted to bring up that was also adjacent to this um what some are dubbing the the knight of the elong knives <laughs> yeah <laughs> which i'm sure we can talk about but the same thing, you know, you don't have control of these platforms, you can only kind of use them as they're set up, mm. so you do, the, you do the most that you can with them, you know, and you see how the right makes use of that, and I think the left kind of can too. Absolutely can, but uh, when the left does it, as you beautifully do it on your channel, you make it argumentative, you substantiate your points, uh, you introduce uh, well-established philosophical schools of thought, you do material analysis and so on, but as you mentioned earlier, the, the right can just you know completely yeah. play on emotions and just say, uh, a Disney movie bad because gays, and, and, and it immediately yeah. pops the fuck off, and the algorithm absolutely adores it, while... Uh, you know, fucking uh, long, uh, complicated essays on uh, on this or, or that piece of media uh, end up just being flagged by YouTube as this fucking shit is boring. Let's just flag or this as educational. Speech, usually. Or, or hate speech sometimes. <laughs> right, it's fucking absolutely. wild. Um, yeah. yeah. I would say it's interesting specifically that a lot of the plagiarism stuff came from H-Bomberguy, who is a channel that I think people often cite as like someone that moved them to the left. Yeah. Even though, like, a lot of his channel, it has this kind of appeal of, like, well, he's just talking about a game that he likes, you know, or he's maybe just debunking false information. There's there's not always a, an explicit political bent to his channel that makes him potentially a good, like, entry point, you know? Mm, it's like absolutely. that kind of thing of taking a generally, like, appealing subject and then you kind of spin that off in a way that maybe sneaks underneath the, the algorithm's distaste for left-wing political content. Mm. Well, I guess uh, enough about uh, specifically plagiarism. Uh, let's talk film. Uh, let's start broad and then... 
work our way down, kind of, as someone who specializes uh, in the cross-section of uh, film and ideology, uh, what role do you think the industry, as some would call it, uh, plays in teaching us about our world, our problems, and most importantly, our potential? So there's kind of two sides to this, I think. Like, definitely art reflects on the conditions of the world around us. I think art is an important artifact to kind of understand in a very abstract way how people might have felt or thought at a certain time. Um, And also as a result, it's like important when you're talking about discussions of, you know, power because who has control of art then reflects on history. Um, So like art, definitely, it can be a political tool. It can educate. At the same time, something that I have been talking about increasingly with my own work is this idea of recuperation. Like, the idea of anti-capitalist media is Mm. definitely something that's growing. For some reason, there's this growing anti-capitalist impulse in people generally. I don't know know what could possibly be (laughs) fueling that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, you know, there's this growing feeling media can certainly be made by capitalists that appeals to an anti-capitalist impulse. You know, you could be making the menu or, like, Hunger Games, any number of things, and it can be recuperated back by the capitalists Mm -hmm. in a way that they profit from. At the end of the day, media, I think, has its limitations, and we always need to be aware of that. You know, I I don't want to, again, like, go back to this thing, like, is this lib shit? Are we saying that representation is where this begins and ends? Uh, ultimately, like a material change is not going to happen just through art being sort of um, shifted to a more left wing perspective or anything like that. Um, there's, there's definitely limitations. I mean, we would already have had like 7,000 revolutions uh, if only art could influence uh, the direction society goes into. Because let's 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 be honest, and I'll go out on a whim here, but most, even though, you know, good art, bad art, that is also very questionable and subjective, and this is a whole conversation on its own. But uh, you rarely had, let's, let's, let me phrase it this way. I am yet to see good art that uh, does social commentary, which punches down never ever right yeah so uh, if we uh, we've already had like eons and eons of uh, of brilliant artwork that uh, punched up and yet you know uh, other than a few uh, successful or unsuccessful revolutions depending on the point of view uh, you know we're still living in this shit yeah you have to think that the art again it has the potential to kind of educate people like open them up to a perspective that they might not have been able to consider at that time you know like art has a potential I don't know if you, like you also have this kind of feeling of sometimes I worry that with my own work I'm trapped in this kind of online bubble where you know no matter what I try to express or what I try to say you know ultimately I may be preaching to a choir or there's a you know you're just producing content at the end of the day you know are you in the end just fueling people's mindless consumption rather than getting them to actually like take action you know and I I think art is always going to have that kind of struggle you know you, Mm. you can say as much as you want but there's a there's a point where that has its limitations and i always do try to be aware of that you know i don't know if again if you also have that kind of feeling at times yeah i think there's definitely like a fine line between 
getting people motivated to do something and getting them to live vicariously through the things you're saying. So like for my stuff, it's, it's, you know, 101 socialism, that sort of thing. And one of the main comments I get is, you know, Hey, this is great, but we all already believe this. And the people who need to hear it aren't going to get this video served to them, or they're not going to watch it if they do, you know, if a friend sends it to them, stuff like that. So then, yeah, you do run into the issue of being in kind of like a, a walled garden or a little ecosystem that exists separate from maybe the people who need to consume it or would benefit from it. But yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's an easy answer there. I think it's with traditional, you know, quote unquote, traditional art, like movies or TV or stuff like that. You can't really put a direct call to action in that where, as you can on something like, like YouTube or a podcast say, Hey, you know, if this sounds interesting to you, go get involved in local organizing. Here's how you do it. ABC. So that at least is a, you know, a path you can offer people, but it is, I don't, I don't know that I would believe that art, if I'm thinking specifically about movies or TV, is sufficient to change society in any meaningful way, rather than just the, the aesthetic preferences of you know a decade. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I don't, I don't want to get too doomer-pilled about it. Like, I really do strongly feel like art has the capacity to, like, affect how people feel about mm-hmm. things or think mm-hmm. about things. You know, like, it is important. Like, and that that was the early motivation I had for my channel. Like, YouTube at the time, not to say that I was the only channel doing this, but I definitely came into it with more of a sort of academic interpretive perspective on art, like getting you to think about themes or ideas that might be in there. Mm-hmm. When a lot of YouTube is very much like consumer evaluations, like, is this thing good or bad? <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I still yeah. have that misunderstanding a lot on my channel. Like, people still think I'm like, decrying media because it might have politics that I disagree with, even when a lot of the time, you know, art that I may be being critical of might also be art that I think is good or I like, you know, like this isn't a a purely consumerist thing that I'm trying to do. And I think that is a very limiting perspective and it's, it's very much there on places like YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hakim always says, you know, the three holy principles, correct me if I am misquoting mm-hmm. you, but I think it was educate, agitate, and organize. Mm-hmm. These are and, not mine, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, no. You we, came up with them. You're they're talking yours. about plagiarism. <laughs> no, fucking everything is ours now, okay? Uh, fucking copyright that shit. Did, 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 yeah. Is there a patent on that motherfucker? <laughs> did, did Marx fucking, uh, or whoever fucking said it, did, uh, did they patent that shit back in the day? But no, and as long as we remember that, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, uh, art, I would uh, argue uh, does agitation when it comes uh, agitation when it comes to different types of this modern thing that we call content. It can both be agitation or even to an extent uh, education, depending on what kind of content you're producing and what you're doing and who it's reaching and so on. But as long as you remember that you know you're the you're what back in the day and we said this many times was the guy putting up posters and handing out flyers. As long as you remember. Remember that that's kind of the the step in the funnel that you're uh, participating in. Uh, you're kind of uh, doing your job, but you should mm-hmm. never think that uh, you are the be all and all kind of uh, point through which uh, you will immediately create revolutionaries, which both uh, you, Jack and JT, uh, touched on. But where it gets uh, a lot more complicated, and again, both of you touched on it, just to expand a bit on it, is this kind of I, I would like to call it modern because you know. Uh, 
uh, we tend to attribute everything to this era, but maybe maybe it existed uh, back in the day as well. The sort of feeling that uh, you're in a way participating in de-radicalization because that little spark that people have inside yeah. that they actually want to put out into the material world, into the real world, uh, they sometimes satisfy it by just sitting down and watching a fucking video or even a film or even a show uh, that really agrees with uh, their uh, uh, agrees with their disagreements with uh, with the system as it is. So it kind of uh, placates them. It kind of uh, makes them feel okay. I watch this educational piece of content. That means I've done my part for the day. And that's why it's super important in order to, that's at least my take, in order to avoid this happening is uh, rest on the shoulders of exactly people like ourselves who create this sort of shit to always, always, always repeat uh, that uh, towards the end of this sort of shit and so on and to motivate that, that it shouldn't stop right there. Either yeah. remind them of the opportunities or give them specific ways of uh, of how they can, they can do this or give them specific methodology in which they can they can grow their theoretical understanding and so on and so on and so on that's how we make sure that we are just participating and pushing people down the funnel and not just stopping them at our funnel and leading them to our fucking patreons or whatever which by the way please subscribe to our fucking patreon <laughs> yeah that's so that's why i was trying to kind of bring that into the plagiarism discussion because again i don't want to be too cynical about it but that's definitely a thing i think people can easily do they can feel like they're standing up against injustice because they found a new channel to condemn you right. know like when Beautiful. at the end of the day like if you really want to get into it like there's a there's an obvious systemic aspect to that that maybe you know you're going to get less of like an endless cycle of content to consume but it could actually like correct these issues mm, exactly which leads us kind of in the let's call it bipartisanship of uh, of the future of cinema potentially uh you know cinema has obviously been used as a crutch in the normie western culture war with movies getting lambasted or praised over being woke or not a terminology so watered down at borderline means nothing and <laughs> <in> everything <laughs> now uh you know we we already see studios like uh the daily wire making films specifically catering to conservative audiences with multi 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 million dollar budgets uh do you think this can go anywhere with uh, you know uh cinema even though the question is if we can even call that cinema uh being turned into just a sort of hyper targeted ideologically pure content for uh different ideological tribes to consume yeah i mean like i think this again goes back to what we were talking about earlier you know i make youtube videos so i have to on some level hope that you know expressing a message through a piece of media can impact people's perspectives and I think that can go in either direction like I, I don't doubt that you know I mean right wing sentiment is in a lot of pieces of media that we consume you know like I think a lot of my concerns when it comes to plagiarism comes from the fact that a western perspective is very much like reduced down often to this very individualistic moralizing perspective and a lot of that is drilled into you from media I have to believe that art does have a, a genuine ability to like profoundly impact people. 
beyond there just be, there's just being a pure culture war fluff that's a distraction from real issues i think again the work that we do with our channels is a demonstration of attempts to use media to do something more with that yeah the daily wire is definitely happy to so yeah yeah absolutely just unfortunately we do not have the, the crazy budgets to expand into uh any other uh let's call it uh category except uh yeah. random dudes with microphones uh talking about shit that they care about online that's definitely where the material aspect of it comes into it because the right just has so much more uh, money being poured into what they're producing you know, there's there's obviously going to be a, a kind of relationship there. Absolutely, and uh, you know, to, to, when you really look at the the, the scope of things, the, the just the number of people that you can get to consume your, for example, film uh, through streaming software or even uh, in cinemas, as compared to the biggest, uh, biggest, biggest uh, online quote unquote influencers, just the the the, the disbalance uh, of uh, accessibility to ears and eyes that can be uh, slightly nudged in whatever ideological direction is insanely uh, disproportionate there uh, and the only yeah, way for the, you to get yeah go on uh, no no i was just gonna say like that's probably a good time to get into the the recent twitter issue um mm, because yeah, yeah like exactly, that's a good yeah. example also of how we have limited power with these platforms mm -hmm. exactly the, the the night of the elong knives for people who don't know during one day it was kind of a very intense intense moment when twitter very specifically banned uh, seven or eight uh, very large left-wing uh, twitter accounts all at the same time there is no way that was a coincidence or uh, some sort of uh, yeah. uh algorithmical yeah. error or glitch which it was passed as uh, afterwards uh, but thankfully enough people uh, got around to voicing their opinion about how absolutely insane this shit is and they were uh, they were later restored but the, the uh, we should uh, not concentrate on the fact that they were restored but on the fact that even these people with these large quote-unquote uh, platforms can uh, literally through only a few clicks be, be yeah. completely silenced or completely removed uh, only because the particular private corporate owners of particular those platforms do not deem them either profitable uh, for the long long term uh, performance of their corporation slash platform, or number two because they directly ideologically disagree with them. Uh, and this kind of discrepancy is going to be ever ever more noticeable as you know things get economically more more, more worse and as people get uh, more and more quote unquote divided and as they are more motivated towards. Uh, more radical approaches to dealing with their ideological uh, uh, enemies, if we can say that. What What mm. did you think about uh, about that particular event, Jack? Oh yeah, I mean, like I just I felt like it. You know, I wasn't happy that it happened, but it's definitely a demonstration of uh, what we're talking about. You know, you have limited control of these platforms, um, and so you have to kind of use them for what they are. Um, you know, like, and I think that that's also the case when it comes to producing content. When it, we talk about plagiarism or if we're talking about popular culture, uh, at the end of the day, the algorithm decides what's going to be promoted to people. You have very little control over that. I've definitely felt like in the past I've produced videos that had more explicit, like, political um, content that then just, they didn't do quite as well. And, you know, you, you can't help but feel like maybe in part that was like some kind of suppression that was taking place. Yeah. Um, which, like, has, has definitely happened in the past. 
you, you kind of have to play with the hand that you're dealt uh, and be aware of that, which speaks in part to the limitations of just producing content to kind of express a political perspective. You know, like, I, I couldn't help but feel like with those channels, or sorry, those uh, Twitter accounts, you know, I think, was it mostly their pro-Palestine content that was yeah. the, that got them suppressed? Or mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what was the exact motivation behind it. I guess we won't know, but like, it's like, so would they have been better off just being quieter about their views if they wanted to continue to have those platforms to express those views? You know, like it becomes this weird paradox where it's like, you know, use the fact that you have less power... I don't know. It's it's a very difficult situation. Mm. Yeah, you you're constantly fighting with the uh, internalized kind of which we all have uh, market rationale, especially when this is what you do kind of uh, may, not even full time, but if this is kind of your bread and butter. Yes, you you participate in agitation. That's like the main reason you got into this. But it's also the way you put uh, bread on your table. And if the market presents, uh, you know, uh, all these people with a direct uh, choice between putting bread on their table or uh, continuing agitation, which will completely remove the bread off of their table. The question is what uh, what path shall you take, young mm. Anakin, or whatever the guy was in Star Wars. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, and I guess I mean, uh, that, that the answer to that question should be very fucking easy for, for everyone uh, from like a point of view, oh, I'm, I'm so, uh, you know, edgy and radical, and obviously I would choose uh, this or that, but then, you know, what if you fucking have uh, kids, or a partner, or a family, or, you know, people that are financially dependent on you and then you know that your your class consciousness starts uh, clashing with your your need to take care of uh, uh, your literal blood and so on and you know it becomes it becomes very 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 fucking complicated but that's again as as you said it's 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 a part of this uh, game that we we are participating in while trying to say that the whole game sucks Uh, Mm. so it's always this kind of cat and mouse that you're both playing in your mind and both playing with uh, with the shit that you uh that you that you put out there uh yeah there's definitely a lot of like internal contradictions you have to work with if you want to try and mix like revolutionary politics with social media and youtube content you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but but sometimes you have people with fucking uh, balls the size of a fucking planet for example let's use jt as an example who had the literal fucking nsa knock on his fucking door (laughs) to say yo bro what the fuck are you doing and yet he continued doing it and somehow the gods of the algo still uh you know uh continued uh uh, growing his his awesome content that he's putting out there but there's probably the hundreds of uh writers let's not even talk about you know people on YouTube, Gen- like uh, published authors and so on that have, uh, you know, published uh, book after book after book that did brilliantly because they were writing everything as, uh, you know, a quasi-apolitical uh, uh, manner. And the second they, you know, went full uh, gloves off or what was that term uh, when you go uh, full... Um, uh, mask for, off uh, mask off thank you my friend mm-hmm. uh, they, they immediately saw their careers not only uh, uh, slow down but but completely crash uh, and then being ostracized by everyone because let's be honest uh, rad- radicalism is always uh, defined as uh, as negative in almost uh, mm-hmm. 90% of uh, ideological circles uh, 
out there, which kind of, I guess, leads us to uh, to what we mentioned a bit uh, before, anti-capitalist media brought to you by your favorite corporation. Yeah. It's kind of a genre I am honestly per, uh, completely uh, obsessed with. Uh, I'm on my second rewatch of uh, Succession right now. I think Jack, you have a great video, uh, The Absolute Dread of Straight White Males, yeah. Soprano <laughs> Succession, like and, what, and what was the third one? Uh, Mad Men. Um, and Mad mm-hmm. Mad, yeah, all three shows that I love. Oh my fucking god, I, I'm literally from New Jersey, bro. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you think we can uh, we can deal with this uh, borderline schizophrenic duality that some of the best anti-capitalist films and shows out there come paid for by the very organizations we are not the biggest fans of? Oh yeah, it's it's completely maddening the the kind of landscape that we're in right now. The yeah, there's definitely a lot of strong anti anti-capitalist sentiment among the public, and then that ends up materializing in uh, content that is explicitly anti-capitalist, produced by the exact people that are causing the problems. Yeah. You know, like, Succession, I'm so glad you brought up Succession, because, like, that show in itself, I feel like, is such a good expression of that. Um, Like, this is... I kind of get into spoilers a little bit here, but, like, Kendall as a character, someone who, like, is, you know, trying... I feel like... the thing with Kendall for me is that he's someone who is kind of trying to do good, but has been brought up in a landscape that makes it impossible for him to see the world as it is and to understand that like any attempt he might make to like do something good is always going to be hamstrung by the material conditions he was he was brought up in you know and then in the end he's his wings are completely clipped for that same reason you know there isn't a great uh, market reason to put yourself behind someone like that mm. um yeah like in itself the show i think is a good commentary for the the conditions that we find ourselves in uh, limited by like our desire to do good within conditions where we have individually quite limited power, um, even when it comes to people that may be billionaires potentially. Mm. You know, it's a it's a it's a very uh, complicated situation there. Absolutely, yeah, it's more complicated definitely than you know, uh, the capitalists will sell us uh, the rope we will uh, uh, hang them with. Uh, but you know, I welcome anything that even brings even the normiest of normies to say, holy fucking shit! Uh, uh, like, are these people when we're talking about succession specifically, which I noticed with mo- a lot of my friends, them just sitting there and saying, uh, you know, these people that we I idolize, you know, the, the pinnacles of success, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, man, they're, they're kind of fucking disgustingly fucked up. And even those among them that are trying to kind of uh, not be as disgustingly as fucked up, as you said, uh, don't really have the the tools, let's use that term, to uh, not uh, participate in uh, the complete hellhole, which it is. And even outside of, uh, of succession, the reason I love mob movies is because, you know, I, I uh, and shows uh, specifically, again, let's talk about things you talked about in the videos, the Sopranos, uh, you see, because of the environment I grew up in, let's just call it uh, relatively criminal adjacent, uh, people looking at this and then being being like uh, relatively capable of some emotional intelligence and recognizing that, holy fuck, like I, we shouldn't fetishize these, these these fucking dudes. Like they, these are not the people that we should define as our, as our idols and so on and so on. Even though there is a, I would argue, very large chunk of, uh, of of people just Google uh, fucking uh, Chad uh, uh, Big Boss uh, edits of uh, of any 
American psycho yeah. uh, TikTok that you want to find of people completely missing the fucking point and, and yep. uh, fetishizing this alpha giga chat uh, uh, behavior and so on. But but in the long term, I do think they're 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 fucking up. Uh, they in a way know that because of this anti-capitalist sentiment, they're going to make a lot of money, so they're making more and more anti-capitalist uh, content. But then again, brings us to the previous conversation we had, which is, does this placate us more than, uh, than actually motivate us uh, towards action? And uh, to properly, probably answer that question, you need fucking a million dollars for a survey to properly fucking do it over a span of 10 years. Uh, but that's a, you know, a conversation uh, of its own uh, caliber. I think also part of the, the issue with, you know, quote unquote, anti-capitalist content or media um, is that often it's presented just a little bit too cynically or, you know, it makes uh-huh. the characters mm-hmm. look, uh, you know, they're so, you know, they're brave, but they're naive or, oh, you know, he's got it. It's a shame. He's, you know, such a great speaker, but he kicked that dog or he's mean to his kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching um, For All Mankind, which is, you know, it's a good show. I enjoy it. I like sci-fi stuff. Um, for anyone who's not aware, the premise is, you know, what if the the space race never ended? And then this alternate timeline, the Soviet Union's still around. But like even little things like in the in the show, there's a strike and they present the strikers as, you know, they're, they're using the right terminology, the, the solidarity stuff. But the way they present them is just a little bit dumb and mm. they're easily swindled by uh, management and it, it, they present the whole situation just cynically enough where... I think the average viewer will watch that and say, ah, you see, strikes don't work. Those people were just dumb. They could have just kept their mouths shut. And then, you know, you've internalized some more of of what is beneficial to the people making, you know, not necessarily the people who make the show themselves, but the society in which the show exists. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, Jack, you did the work also on, like, the exactly what JT is talking about, but, like, let's extrapolate it. Just how popular... Uh, up until recently, but still is to uh, depict uh, any, any like revolutionary figure, any film, for example, I don't know, Black Panther uh, 1, if we all remember, as just, you are batshit insane if mm-hmm. you actually want to completely change <laughs> the way we run this shit, uh, even though, I don't know, the, they, they burned your village and murdered all your cows, and that's the only thing you had. You're still batshit insane, and we should yeah. all act in a civilized manner and sit down mm-hmm. at the table and talk with the SS, you know, like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was literally just replaying the uh, Arkham games, and I was replaying um, Arkham Origins. There's apparently a Batman villain who's called Anarchy, and his his role in the game what? is like he represents like you know this like left wing radical, and his goal is just I'm gonna blow up the city, and then that's gonna <laughs> rev- it's gonna radicalize people yeah. into stopping. <laughs> Into, into stopping the oppression that's taking place, and it's like, yeah, that is the the, the where left wing thought emerges is from this character. Yeah, it's um, the classic. Like I'm, I'm going to change society, and we're the good guys, and I'm going to prove it by shooting this cat in the head. It's like, okay, yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> it's just such a repeating trope. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see. I think uh, Mission Impossible also recently had that. Like there was some anarchists that were going to like blow up the Himalayas or something like that <laughs> <laughs> to like make people aware of climate change uh, or something. 
I, I love I love uh, remember Hitman 2 it was it was very cool uh, you uh, like in Hitman 2 you are like um, you have a specific mission where you gotta kill uh, what uh, your handler at that point uh, defines as eco-fascists uh, no eco-terrorists sorry not mm-hmm. eco-fascists very very different yeah eco-terrorists because you know they, they wanna fuck up some uh, corporations and so on in order to send uh, a message that you know our planet is dying etc etc and I was like this is fucking cringe obviously terrorism is very cringe don't do it literally because it doesn't work I'm not moralizing it literally doesn't work but uh, uh, there I was like really like you made a specific mission there and then in Hitman 3 turns out you were working for the bad guys they were eliminating their (laughs) corporate enemies or whatever the fuck and you were literally killing people who were fighting like this evil shadowy corporation that is ruling the world and so on so I think it passed by a lot of people's heads but I I liked that that little little twist there Mm. but yeah I mean it's super common but uh, I guess this episode is very uh, like I think it at this point has me saying what you guys said that for the 150th time uh, JT in the edit cut goes down to a few a few less but uh, there's always like uh, they, they have a bad guy uh, and they write him well because his motivation is right on point especially when we're talking about revolutionary bad guys and they're like man like he's gonna be too sympathetic uh, the yeah. audience is going to sympathize too much with with him, so let's like say that uh, he beats his wife. Mm-hmm. Like, and they just input it as JT says, like he likes to murder cats. Like, yeah. he just pinch it in, and the entire audience immediately, obviously, steps away because nobody wants to support a fucking imbecile like that. But they they, they uh, immediately make a correlation between uh, more radical thought equals that there is something. Correlation between radicalism and, to an extent, quite literally mental illness. Very yeah. often, like yeah. it's it's like these people are. Uh, apologies if this sounds uh, ableist, but deranged. You know, right. immediately. It's 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 such a common trope. Wonder I wonder how like not a lot of people are talking about it, and it's not considered a cliche even. You know, these films end up getting seventy eighty on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Well, you've got I think what you've got like we talked about um, Daily Wire. That's you know that's the right wing funnel we've got you've got us that's the left wing funnel and then you've got hollywood which is just the enlightened centrist funnel that's the the whole idea <laughs> is just to facilitate a a the maintenance of the of the worldview that is beneficial to to hollywood exactly yeah i mean and and i always say like there's definitely just a cap off that point like it's it's insidious because it can have a clear like market incentive behind right. it you know it doesn't need to necessarily be explicitly political like oh we want to push a centrist narrative mm-hmm. it's just like you know you want to appeal to the broadest possible market so you don't make anything that like goes in any particular radical direction be it left or right you know, like it's a very yeah. cold and sort of calculating decision a lot of the time. Um, like again, I think a lot of the like left-wing radical villains usually just come out of the fact that there is a strong, you know, left-wing radical sentiment in the public. Yeah, and you know, they're like, oh, we want to kind of, I guess, in a way, pander to that. And the best that we can do is to make up a villain who like says a few things that you might agree with, mm-hmm. uh, but also they want to like kill some kittens, so <laughs> we need to we need to kill them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
like give it even more context for 2024 or 2023 if you really want to pander to conservatives or whatever the fuck and you want to make sure they really like do not support the quote-unquote good guy villain uh as we said previously just make them gay or have make them have purple <laughs> yeah. hair you mean like nobody like everybody logs out of the chat right yeah. like half of the american populace like voting body immediately logs out of the chat <laughs> or even if, if even there's a good guy and the good guy is making sense and the bad guy is deranged uh if if the the good guy is a uh, female or lgbtq <laughs> immediately half of half of the discord just logs out like yeah. holy fucking shit goes to their fucking uh telegram uh group posting experience uh but uh this kind of leads us to kind of our final point of this evening morning or afternoon wherever our dear dear listeners are listening uh, to us from whenever our dear dear listeners are listening to us from jesus fucking christ that was a tongue twister uh where does interpretation come in any of this your great video on squid game the reality show perfectly posits the contrasting insanity of taking one of the most blatantly anti-capitalist mainstream shows out there and turning it into reality tv where a bunch of the poors fight over money Mm. Uh, completely different interpretation of the same fucking thing how do we work on this Uh, state mandated movie education camps (laughs) uh ironically though with with media consumption being the main opiate of the masses now is there any way to actually educate people on media literacy systematically or will it just be down to guys like yourself doing it online yeah i mean like you know having a a good basic education system for like media literacy i think is generally a good thing like giving people the ability to interpret media themselves um so that they can like to use it as more than just mindless consumption (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um (laughs) but yeah it's like I think it's a real um, tragedy when you see the the amount of people that that really are incapable of looking at media as anything more than just you know a personal distraction. Mm. Um, but no, that is actually just a difficult question. I think to be honest, that it's not something I necessarily have an answer for, just because you know the the material incentives behind it. You, know, you ultimately don't have control on whether people are able to get educated about those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you're you're saying that uh, obviously there's no clear methodology as of now on how we can uh, give quote unquote uh, media literacy uh, lessons, even though the obvious answer would be through education. Just that's kind of what uh, you know, at least primary education is supposed to be. You know, the, the, a better understanding of the world this child is about to enter, and just how we are sub- obviously not on the same level of importance. Don't get me wrong. But uh, just as how a child is supposed to learn the basics of math, uh, fucking physics, chemistry, history, uh, language, and so on. Uh, A massive part, let's be fucking honest, especially with the future iPad generations coming in, uh, is supposed to be uh, how we interpret this thing that we pretty much, uh, majority of at least people in the uh, so-called developed world uh, consume, uh, spend the majority of, of their day consuming. And us not having act of policies of uh, of teaching people on how to interact with this uh, new narcotic that we're all inter- that we're all uh, taking on uh, on the daily is absolutely fucking insane that has not been tackled yet. But because it is uh, unfortunately 
titled as uh, so inherently subjective interpretation, you know, it's going to be difficult to push through in a system which quite directly motivates as much uh, misinterpretation as possible because, you know, uh, God forbid, uh, some people uh, grow a more critical understanding of uh, uh, art and through a more critical understanding of art, a more critical understanding of their socioeconomic system, which they might not necessarily agree with. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's like what people said, like opiate of the masses, right? Like, I, I think the thing with media, it's something that has a natural draw to people, you know, in the way that, I don't know, sitting down and reading theory, and for some reason, it's a big problem for a lot of people. Mm. <laughs> It's it's something that has a natural draw to people, and I really think, like I say, I think it's a tragedy when people don't have the ability to, or aren't given the education needed to uh, read media, interpret media in a way that would allow them to get these more meaningful messages from it, because it's something that's just so naturally appealing to so many people, you know... It, it's really something that people could be using, but you know, for a lot of the time, these systems that are meant to educate them are not properly funded. There are a lot of different reasons that people end up not having the resources to do that. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of us, and not to be the whole you know boomer, oh, it's the dang iPhones kind of person, but. I think a lot of but us. But it's a dang use, iPhone. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it is. Like it, we use it as a crutch so so much. Like it, we rely on these little devices as a means to think for us. Uh, what I've been doing for the last couple of months is only using my phone, laptop, whatever, when I absolutely need to for work. So I'm down to like four hours average screen time per day for someone who works in, like online. My job is online, so that's not. Not too bad, I would say, but it's it's helped me to feel like I'm actually using my brain again, like I'm actually thinking, I'm writing with pen and paper, and it brings a sort of clarity and depth of thought that I wouldn't have guessed would actually um, be so quick to come back to me. So I don't know. I guess I guess what I'm saying is we need to detonate an EMP over every major city on Earth and disable <laughs> the dang iPhones and, uh, <laughs> and make, make people touch grass again. Hey, you're one of those like left-wing radical movie villains yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. Be, that would be a good plot. Somebody actually. give me a cat. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great plot. That would be great. Yeah, somebody, yeah. You have dogs. You have dogs. No, not uh, the dogs. Yeah. No, I definitely have like similar uh, boomer thoughts yeah. sometimes. Like I'm worried I am worried about um the 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 current state of like online content and yeah. how it might um influence people i i feel like because like so i'll find myself watching youtube videos and then nowadays i'm constantly being pushed youtube shorts mm -hmm. just because now that's such becoming such a big part of the platform and so many of the videos i get fed are just so like i i was watching a video like a series of videos the other day where it's just like a kind of like pong table tennis game where like the little green dot goes to the end of the screen uh -huh. and then if it gets in a little hole that a bunch of music plays and I ended up watching like 10 of those videos yeah, <laughs> yeah. like just really there's like an addictive quality to it and uh -huh. especially with like the proliferation of AI and stuff it's like is it just gonna feed us like the perfect dopamine the rush yeah, of like absolutely. mindless slop <laughs> yeah. yeah yes and the, the, yes, the more absolutely. people I talk to the more people in this industry if you want to call it an industry that I talk to the more i hear like yeah this is evil <laughs> what we're contributing to is bad this is my mental health is suffering you know i'm out i've detached like i cut all the cables i detached and when i'm not actively recording or editing i'm outside hiking or whatever i think 
Honestly, I, I hope, it seems to be, at least a little bit, that the younger generations are trending more that direction. There's a return to physical media, like book sales are up, uh, CDs and records are up, uh, film cameras are way up, stuff like that, That there, where there's a tactile feedback, where there's an interaction that is not digital. Um, so I'm, I'm both optimistic in that regard, but, you know, you can't just assume, oh, you know, the next generation will fix it or they'll be entirely different than the people that came before them because it doesn't work like that. But at least I think there's more recognition of the problem uh, of overconsumption or hyperconsumption these days. Yeah. Um, like the way I grew up, absolutely terminally online, constantly like looking for flash cartoons, yeah. like looking up shit on the internet, web comments, etc. I never could have imagined me thinking like, you know, if I have a kid, I'm going to try and keep them as far away from the oh, internet yeah. mm-hmm. for as long as possible. <laughs> yep. Like I, I did not imagine that that would be my perspective, but it kind of is at this point. It's crazy. I've got a, she just turned 15 months old the other day, daughter. And we, uh, we have a number of friends with kids and most of them are like the iPad parents. They give the kid the iPad and there is, it's sad to say, there's nothing behind those eyes. Like the, when Evie's hanging out with those kids, you're like, wow, <laughs> it's a different species. Like you, when you, I don't know, when you plug them in that early, yeah, I mean, the results are not going to be great. So yeah, the, I think it's for anyone who has young kids, the current recommendation, no screen time until they're two, at least. Which was wild. Yeah. Probably ten years ago, it was five or six. Yeah, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I'm super boomer. I think I had my first phone when it was like ten. Yeah, or I was. was, I, was not just I was thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Wild. There you go. Uh, but no, uh, Jack and JT Kaczynski just dropped. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. all I'm gonna say about, <laughs> about these uh, wild, wild uh, takes. No, I, I completely feel you. And uh, the one thing I, I hope is you know everything is cyclical and just like. Uh, mm. You know, skinny jeans come and go. Uh, so will uh, mass uh, online consumption eventually. So will the entire off. internet, inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I guess this podcast is turning into what did these guys yeah. call themselves? Anarcho primitivist. Anarcho primitivist, yeah. yeah. Anarcho primitivist. <laughs> I know two anarchic anarcho primitivists. Wow. Very, very interesting guys. Yeah, I met them at like Antifa protests. Very, very particular dudes. They huh. they, they mm. don't smell the best. That's all I want to say. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, I definitely uh, wouldn't, you know, just to be clear, I'm definitely not going that far. Yeah, I want to embrace the future and everything like that. Like, you know, AI in and of itself is a tool that could have potential, like, useful outcomes. You know, it, can, it can be used for, for good purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're in a weird kind of, like, generational moment where yeah. things have transitioned so rapidly that none of us have really been given the tools to, like, handle that. Um, so we're kind of like making up rules as we go yeah. to try to deal with like the rapid transition of society. Exactly. And I hope we deal uh, better than uh, our parents. <laughs> uh, with that being said, uh, we're running out of time, which means that uh, there's many more things to talk about, which means that Jack will most definitely be joining us again in the future. Uh, oh, yeah, dear, love to. Dear, dear listeners, uh, Please listen to Jack now as he tells you where you can find uh, their content uh, on the internets. Oh, good. Yeah, we're getting to the, the, my left-wing grift. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm Jack Sane. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm also on Patreon, which if you go to the Jack Sane YouTube channel, I think you'll find all those links. All the links will um, be in the description of this thing. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm on... I, I kind of am back on Twitter and I feel bad about it, but it's like my only alternative for that particular outlet was like Blue Sky. Yeah. And it's just, there's just not enough going on right now. So I've kind of been drawn back to to Twitter. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm on both of those places. Please check out uh, Jack's uh, brilliant work. Uh, thank you, Jack, for uh, coming on. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Uh, when it comes to the program, please uh, check out the good old Patreon. You can get uh, two exclusive episodes every month, uh, every single episode one week early, uh, private hangout sessions with us, and most importantly, the cute little Discord community that we're building uh, where you can uh, kind of uh, come and uh, do things uh, with that being <laughs> well said, said. Uh, yeah do things yeah do things well, okay <laughs> fucking uh, edit it in the post suck my you know what <laughs> alright well this has been another lovely episode of the D program I think we've solved all of society's ills as we do every week so thank you all for listening this has been the D program I'm JT I'm Hakeem I'm Yugopnik and I'm Jack Saint. The internet was a mistake. And I'll be <laughs> blowing up Gotham City in 24 hours. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>